Hallelujah. Bless God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's read the scripture while you're standing. Uh, two small verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. Ah, very familiar passage of scripture, but we're going to see, can we get something out of it today? For though we walk in the flesh, well, read it with me. Yeah, let's read it together. Ready, let's read. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Hallelujah. Lord God, we are so grateful to be in your house today. I'm grateful, Father God, to be able to stand before your people and to open my mouth and watch you fill it, God. We're so excited about your word. We're excited about the outcome of your word. And God, we thank you that every person in this building is good ground for the seed of the word. Thank you, Father God, that today you'll give answers. Father God, you'll give strategies, God. You'll open up doors, open up our eyes so that we can see, open up our ears so that we can hear, oh God. And we thank you that because because of your word, not my words, God, but because of your words, our lives will never be the same. So God, I say, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. I'm so glad to be in the house today. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody excited about the word? Yes. Hallelujah. Excited about Jesus? Yes. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to talk about something um, that I've learned over the years, and so I'm going to let you in on uh, a little bit of how we do things. And I think for you to get the most out of this word, uh, you got to, at some point, uh, look at Pastor John and me and come to the conclusion that we might know what we're talking about. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm cool, you know, with people. I'm cool with different personalities. Um, but it bothers me that in too many people's eyes, we're still just John and Kim. And so when we say certain things or these messages are going forth, you know, and, and I don't have a problem with being Kim. Um, pastor is a, um, a title of honor and mom is a title of honor, and honor is never forced, but honor must be given, you know what I'm saying? So I think, I think to get the most out of the word, you, when we speak, you've got to look past us. You know what I mean? Look past whatever it is you don't like about us. I don't know how you could not like anything about us. <laughs> look past uh, outfits, look past diction, you know, look past, you know, what you heard 10 years ago, what you heard 12 years ago, what you heard yesterday. You know, you kind of got to look at the people who come before you, whether it's Pastor John and myself or anybody else, because, you know, he's never going to put anybody else up here that doesn't have a word for you. But you kind of got to move past people and personalities and know that when a man or woman of God is speaking, that they have your answer. Right. 
Right, we're not speaking as men, we're speaking as the oracles of God when we stand up. So if you want to get something out of it, get past me, all right? Hallelujah. Now, last Sunday when Pastor opened up the message, uh, he poured out a bit of his heart and he was saying how uh, the Lord had showed him that that Sunday morning that people were in the fight of their lives and really a fight for their lives and that this fight was a little more than just am I going to make it or not or you know will I have dinner tonight or you know to settle the argument that took place you know a couple nights before no it's really a, a, a life or death battle it's a battle for your soul it's a battle for your sanity it's a battle for your health it's a battle for your marriage it's a battle for your children it's a battle for your, your you know your career there's a real life and death battle going on and listen I hear enough testimonies I hear enough stories I get enough texts I get enough emails to know that it's not just one or two people that when the devil decides that he wants to stop bothering folk, he likes to, you know, he likes to get in packs. He likes to, he likes to really make a whole, he gets no glory with just one person going through. He needs like a whole bunch of people going through at the same time, huddling up at a restaurant, questioning whether or not God is real, questioning whether or not faith works, questioning whether or not the word works, questioning whether or not do I need to go to church. That's why people miss church, because there's a fight, there's a battle, and they wake up that morning and something in them says, yes, I should go, but then as they're laying there, or they even get up something says no just stay in just stay in because you know you know you went you, you man you've been going for two years man and and it's still this way so today we're gonna learn uh what Paul said we're, we're gonna look at these verses and learn how to fight but here's what we're gonna learn that there's not much fighting to be done See, we've been squaring up against the wrong people, squaring up at the wrong time, squaring up with the wrong attitude, and getting torn out of the frame when victory has already been promised to us. We are already more than conquerors. We are already been caused to triumph. So what's all the struggle? Really, let's just stop. Think about how much struggle there's been to get out of debt, to get healed to find peace in your home, dealing with your spouse, dealing with your children. How much struggle has there been? Just, just for a moment, just think about it. Way too much, right? For us who, every time we come to church, especially if you come to this church, you know, you find out that we're victorious. Well, if we're victorious, why am I not seeing any victory, Pastor Kim? Oh, well, God has called us to, caused us to triumph. Well, I don't feel very triumphant, Pastor Kim. Well, God has made us more than conquerors. I'm feeling a little defeated. So what is it that we need to do? And I'm going to submit to you this morning that there's just some minor adjustments that need to be made. You know, nothing big. You probably already know all of this. But if you just listen and do it, um, I, I think it will change your life. When we look at these verses right here, Paul is in the midst of a verbal, um, well, not really verbal, a written fight with some people. Uh, some people in the church of Corinth were accusing Paul of being very bold in his letter writing. Paul, when you write these letters, 
You really come across real strong. You come across real big. You talking about, you know, a husband, a son being with his, uh, his father's wife, and you telling us who should be in the church and who should be put out. You are real big. It says, but when you come before us, you're real timid and quiet, and you don't really. So Paul was assuring them here, much like I probably would have assured them, that you don't have to worry about that because if I need to be bold in your presence, if there's certain people who I need to step to, you don't ever have to worry about whether or not I have the words or not. What I'm trying to do is show you something. Hence the parenthetical phrase we hear, we see here in verse 4. He says, I got to control myself. See, remember, Paul is a man who had been in authority. He only knew authority. He knew how to give commands and heads would roll. But he said, I've learned that now that I'm in Christ and I'm full of his spirit and I'm led, that the weapons of my warfare, they are not carnal. So I don't need to curse you. I don't need to slap you. I don't need to talk about you. I don't need to write anything on Facebook. I don't have to tweet Jack. All I have to do is, up. Oh, Get into my word. This is because the weapons of my warfare, they're not carnal. But they are mighty. Mighty through whom? Mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. Now, we already know these strongholds are not, when you talk about a stronghold, it's a military term. Uh, you, you see uh, fortresses, you see uh, uh, armored, armored tanks, armored ships. Stronghold, something that it seems impenetrable. But when we are operating with God, there is nothing that separates us from our victory. Amen? But here's what we've got to know. We've got to know how to fight properly. I mean, in the natural, if you got in an argument at Tyrone Square Mall, I would suggest you not park near the food court. Go around back behind J.C. Penney's. It's a little more calmer there. And um, somebody cuts you off and wants to take your parking spot. You get out of your car, because you're still a little hot, they get out of their car, and you know, it's, it, 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 you can tell it's gonna be something. Now if the person says, hold on, I'll be right back. <laughs> now, the new you would be gone. But we do understand that there were times when we didn't walk away. And they came back, and, and they have um, something matte, something black, something metallic, something heavy. And you see it, and you can kind of tell by the way they're holding it. It's not plastic. Um, and you reach in your pocket and pull out a switchblade. Who's going to win? You going down. Unless you're the Matrix, you're going down. Well, not the matrix, in the matrix, because the matrix is a place. Don't worry about that. You know what I'm saying? You're going down. You would never, ever try to win a fight, a gunfight, with a knife. And you're definitely not going to try to win, you know, with a rock. And it don't matter if you take off your earrings or not, loosen your tie. If the other person is, is out-armed, you know, has out-armed you, you're in trouble. Well, can I tell you something? If it's the same way showing up to a spiritual fight with fleshly or carnal methods, you're not going to win. I said you're not going to win. 
If you've been trying to show up, come on now, with anything of the flesh, be it you're armed with information, you're armed with knowledge, you show up even sometimes with money, you're not going to win because he says this, our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. That means our weapons that we have to fight with, come on, they're spiritual. So today I'm going to teach you how to fight. Now, have I ever had a fight? Not in the natural. But I've won many fights spiritually. I mean, I don't have time to testify of it all, but we've won. We've knocked down some things, and, and we're steady knocking down some things. And I want to show you how you do it. I want to submit to you today that you really aren't going to fight. We use the word fight. You see the word in the Bible, fight the good fight of faith. But remember, this is not a natural kind of fight. So we're not fighting with carnal things. We're not fighting with our mouths, with these you know, vile words that we can use. But we're fighting a spiritual fight. Now, how do we do that? That's what we're going to answer today. Today, I'm going to submit to you that you've got to stand your ground. You fight by standing your ground. All right? Stand your ground. I gave you the definition of the stand your ground law. I want you all to see this because we hear a lot about this in the news and, and it's a defense that you can use, but you better make sure uh, <laughs> that you were actually in danger and that was uh, actually imminent threat. If you don't have it, I'll read it for you. It says a stand your ground law, sometimes called line in the sand or no duty to retreat law, is a justification in a criminal case whereby defendants can, quote unquote, stand their ground and use force without retreating in order to protect and defend themselves or others against threats or perceived threats. So when you say you're going to stand your line, you're really saying, I'm drawing a line in the sand and I'm not going to retreat. You're, you're saying, come at me, bro. I ain't going anywhere. However, if applied properly, you cannot be found guilty of any crime. But there has to be a real imminent uh, force or danger that's coming at you, right? You can't just say, oh, oh, I didn't like how they talked to me, so I decided to shoot them. No, there has to be proof that you were under attack. Well, can I tell you something? The devil is after you. So you are well within your rights to apply the stand your ground law. And I'm going to show you in scripture that it didn't start on Capitol Hill. It started in the word of God. We are called to stand our ground. Now, how do we do that? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. It says, finally, my brethren, this is Paul's closing to the church at Ephesus. He says, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So you see how your gun's not going to work? And, and your cussing, it ain't going to work. Because, I mean, how you cuss out the original cursor? I mean, come on, really? <laughs> Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. 
Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all. Not like this is the most important. But hold up above all, come on now, the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So we're told here that we're going to fight. There's a fight. There's an enemy. But you're going to stand. You're not going to fight. Say it. Say, I'm going to stand. I'm not going to fight. However, standing is fighting. Standing is fighting. Now, how do we do this? When we come against an opponent and there's something going on in our lives, we've got to rightfully identify who's behind it. So when things are going on in our life, it's, it's not your spouse. It's not your children, okay? I know they're acting out. I know he's not acting right or she's not acting right, but it's not them. It's not your boss. Come on. It's, it's not any of these people that we spend too many hours of our day engaging in conflict with. It's not them. Ephesians chapter 6 just told us in verse 12 who we're fighting against or who our enemy is. It's the devil. It's not flesh and blood. It's not tongue and cheek. It's not that person who you keep butting up against. I know they're abrasive, but it's not them. There's somebody behind what you're seeing, all right? So we're told to stand. Now go over to that same verse, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, but let's see it in the Amplified Classic. Look at this. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him, that strength which his, which his boundless might provides. Verse 11, it says, put on, the God, put on God's whole armor, the army of a heavy armed soldier which God supplies, that you may be able successfully to stand up against all not some, all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. Verse 12, for we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. Verse 13, therefore... Put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger. And having done all the crisis demands to stand firmly in your place. So where is your place? Your place is already a place of victory. You're already victorious. You've already won. You've already overcome. So here's the truth. You're already standing up on top of the winner's mound, okay? You're the top. You've got the goal. You cannot be defeated. Here's the problem. Satan comes with his lies, with his deceit, with his ugly ways, and he wants you to step down from what you've already been given. You don't step down. You stand. Yeah. 
I said, you stand. Having done all, you stand. He cannot defeat you. Why can't he defeat you? Because he's already defeated. Go to Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. He's already defeated. You're already victorious. You are just trying to maintain your victorious state. Look at what Christ did. And having spoiled, look at this. Having spoiled, that means I whooped him and took his stuff. Having spoiled principalities and powers, who he, Christ, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Put it in the Amplified for me. God, look at this, disarmed the principalities and powers that are ranged against us and made a bold display and a public example of them in triumphing over them in him and in it, the cross. So God has already whooped the devil. He's already disarmed him. He is a toothless lion going around making noise. He can't touch you. Problem is, is we keep engaging in a battle with a joker who don't have a gun. We keep tongue-tied with a person who don't have any teeth. We keep going to battle with the spirit of Python, with the spirit of the boa constrictor, with the spirit of the lion, with the spirit. Come on, y'all. There is no more enemy. By time up, man, when you win a contest and you have the, the parade, it's already been settled that you're victorious. You know, we got a chance to, to watch the Cubs win after how many years? Hundred and how many? 108 years? After 108 years, right, they finally won a World Series. When they went to Chicago and they had that parade, all, hey, I want to contest that call, I want to protest that call, I don't like, all that had been settled, right? By the time they're having the parade, they are the victors, wave the flag, it's done. Well, can I tell you, God has already had the parade. Come on now, they've already thrown all of the ticker tape. Come on, the balloons are already afloat. Why? Because you've already won. Here's what all we have to do is, we have to just stay, plant your feet and stand. Stand. He's already defeated. Oh my goodness. So how do I stand? That's what we've got to get to. How do I stand? Um, go to James chapter 4 verse 7. I think I gave it to you in the expanded Bible. Do we have that? Amen. It's coming. All right, I'll read it for you. It says, so give yourselves completely. Submit to God. Stand against, resist the devil, and the devil will run, flee from you. All we have to do is submit ourselves completely to God. Stand against the devil. Just stand. don't fight him. I said, don't fight him. Well, shouldn't I be doing spiritual warfare? Absolutely not. You know what your spiritual warfare is? Standing in this word. How many times, I mean, just think about it. Religious church. You'll go and people will be praying 
and devil we this, and devil we that, and devil you this, and devil we that, and devil, and devil, and devil, and devil, and devil, and devil, and devil. Why are we talking to someone who's already being beat? Why are we talking to someone who's already defeated? He doesn't need binding. He's already been bound. All we have to do is stand. Now, his forces are still out there, and we've got to remember, we're hedged in. So I don't care what he does. I don't care what he sends. I don't care what he says. All we have to do is stand, resist him, and he'll go running. Amen? All right, so let's look at one more verse. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9 in the Amplified. Look at this. It says, withstand him. Be firm in faith against his onset, rooted, established, strong, immovable, and determined. Be that. Knowing that the same identical sufferings are appointed to your brotherhood, the whole body of Christians throughout the world. So you're not the only one going through, but all you have to do is withstand him. Withstand him. Gird up yourself and say, hey, I'm not moving. I know who I am. I know what God has done. I know what I have in Christ. I'm not moving. So, Pastor Kimball, I, I know that sounds great, but how? It told us back in Ephesians chapter 6, we're just going to put on God's armor. See, when we put on God's armor, when Satan sees us, right, he doesn't see us. He sees God. And he knows that the last time I said he knows the last time he saw God and wanted to go up against God. He found out what happens when you go up against God. So I'm saying this. Stop going in your own armor. Stop going in your own flesh. Stop going in your own strength. Go fully girded up in the armor of God. And when he looks, he comes to shoot a down. He looks at, oh, oh, oh. I thought that was Robert, but that, oh, oh, that thought that was John, but that's not, when I look in him, I see God, and I don't want to fool with God again, because the last time, I was embarrassed, so we put on, I said we put on, we put on, I say put on, we put on the whole armor of God, don't leave a part of your body exposed to the enemy so that he can reckon them. See, I'm not talking about put on a mask and put on a cape. See, too many of us have been playing superhero and getting toward the frame. Because when he looks at you, Black Panther, I see your eyes. I know that's you. Watch this, I'm going to prove something to you. When you open your mouth, see, I know that's you. Come on, when you're talking and you texting, oh, I know that's you. But I'm going to show you today that if we put on the whole armor of God, we're going to deal with everything from our head to the soles of our feet. And when the devil looks at us, he cannot recognize us. All he sees is God. I mean, when you see, when you look at medieval times and, and you look at armor, you know, sometimes we think about tights and skirts and a shield and a spear. No, I'm talking full armor, 
full-on armor. I'm talking about your feet are covered in metal, your shins are covered, the calves, every, your health. You have to open it up to see. When you look at someone who's in full-body armor, you have no clue what's on the inside until they begin to make a certain movement or begin to say something, then you know who they are. Well, I'm talking today about getting so clothed in God. I'm talking today about abandoning everything that is you, every thought that's you, every word that's you. Come on now. And trading it for God's armor. Do you understand? We've beat everything. We've beat sickness. We've beat poverty. Come on, we've beat racism, black people. We beat it! Come on. And the only way the devil can get to us or have what we have is if we abandon ship, if we step down out of the winner's circle. All right, let's, so let's go through this. First step. First step. We're going to gird our loins with truth. This is step number one. When you gird your, long, uh, your loins with truth, I'm talking here about settling your soul. John 17, 17, if we can see that. John 17, look at this. It says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So if I'm going to gird up my loins with truth, that means that I'm going to take not my soul, but my soul. My soul's not here. My soul is here. I know a lot goes on here, but your soul, your, your inner man sits in here. Well, Pastor Kim, that, that can't be true because our thoughts are here. Have a bad thought and tell me where you feel it. Get nervous, tell me where you feel it. Come on, be afraid and tell me where you feel it. Come on now, I'll, man, I'll never forget. One of my children, I won't tell you which one. One time we were watching a Rays game, and the picture was, was, uh, was uh, everybody watches baseball in my house, so you guys don't know which child this is. <laughs> but one of the pitchers was at the mound, and the guy swung, hit, and it was like a comebacker. You know, the ball came right back to the pitcher, and it hit him in the face. And all I heard was, oh, my stomach. And the child took off running, and the next thing I heard was, why? He didn't get hit. Oops. The child didn't get hit. The child was not at the game. The child was watching from the comfort of his home, the comfort of the home, on the sofa. However, the response, However, the response, because he pitches, because he bats, it came up in his. When you look at that word, gird up, when you look at the definition uh, there in the Greek, it talks about how Oriental people, when they would go out into the fields, uh, the rice paddies, and they would be working, or if they really needed to do something and didn't need their robes slowing them down, that they would literally take their robes, and, and we've seen country women do that. You take your muumuu and you pull it up the front, and you knot the two pieces together, and now instead of a dress, you have pants. So now I can move quickly and freely without anything impeding me. Well, can I tell you something? When we gird up the loins of our mind, when we gird up 
our soul, nothing can impede me, nothing can stop me. The reason we're not winning in this fight, if you'll allow that, or we're not winning in our stand is because we've not done enough work with the truth. When I do work with the truth, remember I just showed you in John 17, 17 where the truth is, this word is truth then I'm gonna always be tripped up. Say it, say, I will always be tripped up if I don't spend enough time with the truth. I've gotta gird up with the truth. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse three. I wanna show you where this, I wanna prove it to you that your mind and your loins, come on, blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to, no, that's not what I want. That's my favorite script. I wrote that. That's the wrong script. <laughs> Is it 13? 13. Gird up the loins of your mind. Yeah, thank you. But that is my scripture right there. You've been in Tuesday prayer. That's my scripture. Wherefore, gird, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you at the at the revelation of, and we know the revelation of Jesus Christ is here in this word, according to the book of John, chapter one. So I've got to gird up my loins in this fight. I've got to have so much truth in me, this truth, not their truth. See, we're trying to fight a spiritual fight with the doctor's truth. Do you know their truth is not this truth? We're trying to fight with the banker's truth. Well, you're not bankable. Who said that? That's not the truth. God said that he's able to make all grace abound toward you that you would always have all sufficiency. So who are you going to believe? See, we don't yet believe enough of this. When he says, by the stripes that Jesus bore on his back, you are healed. Oh, but the MRI showed, okay, which one are you going to believe? So we get conflicted in our souls, right? We haven't yet gird, uh, girded up our loins with truth because we have so many things coming in, so many things bothering us. So I hear that, God. Mix C, Deuteronomy 22. Twenty-two, and let me think. Verse three. No, try six for me. No, it's gonna come to me. Nine. Thank you. There it is. There it is. Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with diverse seed. Can I see it in the Amplified? Ooh, you shall not plant your vineyard with two kinds of seeds. Why? Lest the whole crop be forfeited. So if I'm trying to stand, I am abundantly supplied. I have all sufficiency of all things. I am a paymaster of the gospel. I am debt free and I am living in abundance. Hey, you got a call, man. They, they say your student loan is my student loan lady get it every time I I'm running out yet again, and I don't know what. 
two kinds of seeds, right? Well, Pastor Kim, no, how do I know it's two kinds of seeds? Because the moment you get a soul response, the moment you get a soul response because of something you heard or something you've seen, that means your ground has two different kind of seeds in it, and it's just, it ain't good for anybody. So now you want to try to call a banker, call the doctor, go with all your faith stands, and they don't believe anything you're saying, right? Right, they don't understand faith, but then you're trying to go to God with all of your, what God you said to you. And Pastor told us last week, he does not respond to our tears. We've got too many different things growing up. Too many different things growing up. Oh, God, I want to be healed, and you said you were going to take all sickness and all pains away from me. Oh, but the doctor said that I need to stay home and rest because I need to lay in the bed. Pastor just told you last week his back was tore up. You should have witnessed it, and I'm glad you didn't because you probably would have messed around and said, Pastor, you need to stay home. But he came on Wednesday. He came on Sunday. He preached on Wednesday, and he preached on Sunday. In excruciating pain. And what did he do in the interim? See, I like to give fresh praise. Y'all heard about my static nerve enough. Fresh revelation, fresh, fresh manifestation. What did he do in all of his off time? I said in all of his off time, it was Gloria Copeland healing school. It was Pop Hagen healing. Back to back to back to back to back to back to back. Babe, you want to go see somebody? Nope. Back to back to back to back to back to back. And I knew it had broken when I saw him in the driveway playing basketball with his son. I said, my God, there it is. Come on now. Come on. But we've got to stand. With the truth, gird your loins up with what? The truth. With truth. Look, can we see James uh, chapter 1, verse 21 in the Phillips translation? It says, humbly accept the message that God has sown in your heart and which can save your soul. You've got to take this word, this seed word, this word of truth, and receive it. God's trying to sow it. He's sowing it, but you've got to receive it. And you can't receive it when other things are growing up. We know that from uh, Mark chapter 4 about the grounds, right? That when you try to sow seed amongst thorns, what happens? The thorns will choke out, right? The thorns will choke out the seed of the word. Now all of it's forfeited. None of it's worth anything. Nothing is going to produce. So we've got to get to a place where, hey, we shut out everything else. I said we shut out everything. Well, you don't understand. They, 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 they say this kind of stuff. Stop listening to they. Stop listening to them. When people come, let me tell you something about me. I am kind. I, am, I was raised properly. I enter a room, I speak, I say hello, I say good night, but I will cut you right off in a sentence the moment you tell me what they said about something. I don't want, I will walk out of your room, I will walk out of your house, I will get out of your car the moment I become indignant. Indignant about what they said. Don't tell me what they said. No, tell me what he said. 
because it is the truth that matters, not what they say. I don't care if they is your mama, your auntie, your uncle, your daddy, your bald-headed cousin. I don't care who it is. If it's not this truth, it does not matter. Well, he went to school for eight years. What? Christ formed the whole world in seven days. Excuse me, six. On the seventh day, he rested. So who am I going to listen to? Your doctor who barely made it out? I mean, I know people personally who went to medical school and doggone graduated college with a C average. They fought and 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 fought till some medical school would take them. And right now, they'll cut somebody wide open. Boo, you made a C in something you said you love. You. But you letting them tell you about it? No, you can't tell me nothing, son. But, 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 but we need med we, but we need bankers, but we need teachers, but we need, but we need. Just think about, on, and just in the course of a day, how many people speak into your life? We overhear somebody at a restaurant, we believe what they say. We listen at somebody at a coffee shop telling us about investment, we believe what they say. Somebody who ain't made three red cents, you know, legitimately, they telling us how to invest. They tell, are you kidding me? No, when God, this truth, this truth has made how many people rich? This truth. They still, they're still trying to catch Solomon. God, God said, Christ said it himself. There will never be one as rich as him. He did it all God's way. The teacher's telling us, well, you know your child has. My child has what? My child is what? No. No. God says, great shall be the peace of my children for they're taught of the Lord. Teach them. Lord, teach them. You know fractions. You know calculus. Lord, teach them. See, y'all playing. Your word is truth. Now, when you talk about that word, we're talking about girding up our loins with truth. That Greek word for loins is literally what the Hebrews believed uh, the place where semen resided. It's, it's where the word goes forth or the seed goes forth from. So when we're talking about the loins, we're talking about getting the seed of the word into a place where it can take root, grow, and produce what you need it to produce. Say, I only, I only listen, to the truth. listen to the truth. That word is truth. Thy word is truth. Oh, I'm believing to be rich. Show me your word about rich. And I don't mean after you've pulled out your iPhone X. Because see, it ain't your word yet. And then you wonder why when the pain hits, your first response is, I've got to run. God's going to, God's going to, God's going to heal me. Where's your word on that? I said, where's your word on that? Well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember scripture. You remember every lyric from every song you've heard from 75. You just are not that interested in the word. So henceforth, that's why the devil keeps knocking you out. Of the I mean, we remember songs. I mean, there's some songs I didn't even know they were still in there. All I have to hear is like one word and it just goes. 
So I stopped letting myself off the hook saying I cannot remember addresses of scripture. Oh, yes, I can. If I can sing She's a Brick House from beginning to end and that ain't played on the radio in 30 years, then I know, I know that I can quote this word and not miss a beat. I know because that word is truth. 36, 24, 36, that ain't no truth. And if it is, she's 13 and you better walk away. You know that's the truth. All right, so the word is truth. The word is truth. Yeah, yeah. I pass and say, y'all come back now. Come on back. The word is truth. The word is truth. The word is truth. Everybody else is speculating. The word is truth. You got to fight with this word. Now, we're going to put on the breastplate of righteousness. We're going to get into the word and we're going to find out what the word says about who we are and what righteousness affords us. We're going to put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate is going to protect every vital organ I said the breastplate is going to protect every vital organ in your body's cavity. Amen? So he can't throw any, throw a gut blow if you want to, you're going to break your hand. Do, do you see? He can't, he can't get to you because you've gotten to a place where you've been in this word so much, you now know who you are. No, I am the healed. No, I am righteous. No, I am whole. No, I am well. No, I am peaceful. I am beautiful. Come on now. I am saved. I am victorious. No, what, what does this say? Let's go to Psalm number 119 and verse 127. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, yea, above fine. I, look, I love your commandments. Now, let's see verse 172 as well. 119, 172. Look at this. My tongue shall speak of your word. Why? For all your commandments are righteousness. Every commandment I read in this word, they're righteousness. They're going to talk to me about the right way of being, the right way of living, and going to show me the right way to do things. But I'll mess up if I start taking my righteousness from out there. What makes you right? That, that, not what, this. So now I've put on truth. I've got so much word in me, I can spot a lie. I said I can spot a lie from a mile away. And I've spent so much time in this word, I understand what it means to be righteous and what righteousness brings me or what righteousness affords me. Christ made us righteous, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 21, we know that scripture around here. Can we see that real quick? For he had, he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be what? Made the righteousness of God in him. You're already righteous. So the devil can't come along and tell you, you know, you're not qualified for that. No, you can't have that. No, he won't do that for you. You've already been made righteous. So everything this word says, righteous people, 
can have, you can have it. Everything righteous people can do, you can do it. Why? Because he's made you righteous. Problem is, is we don't know we're righteous. Nor do we know what we're supposed to have because we're not spending enough time here. All right? Now, number three. We're going to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. We're going to get into position, and we're going to secure our stance. We're going to secure our stance. We're going to get on a firm foundation. Take me back to Ephesians chapter 6, please. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6 in the amplified version, verse 15, please. It says, and having your feet, and having shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy, look at this, with firm-footed stability, the promptness and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. So there is a firm foundation that this word gives us, right? And if we stand on this firm foundation, he can't knock us over, he can't knock us out. Why? Because we have our stance down. So when they come and say, hey, you know you can't, uh, I'm sorry, that's impossible because the word says I can't. Oh, I got bad news today. The doctor called and they told me that. Uh, see, it can't move you. I said it can't move you. See, a good golfer, a good baseball player, you know them by their stance. You know a good man, I can spot a person who's going to hit a baseball. And it's definitely one who's going to hit it far just by looking at this. And the little boys come out there and they standing up straight like this. It ain't going past the picture. Like, golly, it ain't going. But that kid who's perfected how to turn that body, spread that leg, got that rhythm down on how to pick up and win the step, watch out. Watch out. Because their stance has put them in a position of power. Do you see what I'm saying? Their stance has put them in a position that I can't be drawn off. I can't be moved. I don't care where you throw it. Throw it inside, throw it outside. I position my body that if I've got to tuck that bat in and swing, or if I, my stance, what's your stance like? Is everything moving you off of your position in the word? Is everything causing you to sway? We know from James chapter 1, right, about that man who's not on a firm foundation, that person who's not standing in a proper stance. It says that they are tossed, they're pushed back and forth. They are disciples. And it says, let not that man think that he shall receive anything. Why? Because he's double-minded in all his ways. Always are you healed or are you not? Are you rich or are you not? Are you winning or are you not? You've got to get your stance down, all right? Synonyms for stance, right? Look at this. You've got to get your posture right. You've got to have your body position right. You've got to have your pose right. You've got to have your attitude right. I mean, I can tell a winner by their attitude. Man, if you're bitter, complaining, come on now, frustrated all the time, whining all the time, any moment you're about to break out in a fit, you don't believe it yet. 
So therefore, the evil one knows which little report to send, which little symptom to send, which little piece of newspaper to send, which little letter to send. He even knows who to make stop by your house because he says, I'm going to send this one by. They've not stopped by in three months. Why are you here today? Oh, because you're in a place where the devil can just push you right off your stance. So we've got to know how to stand. We've got to know how in this race to keep a proper attitude, all right? Now, we're going to take the shield of faith. Oh, we're going to take the shield of faith above all. See, when you're in war, you're in battle, and they're shooting arrows at you. If you've watched, you know, you know those movies. I don't watch them anymore, praise God. I've been delivered. But like 300 or what was the movie with Achilles, you know, where those, these medieval fighting war movies. Now, it'd be nice if they fired darts like this, but they don't fire darts like that. They take fiery darts and they shoot them up so that they will come down and pierce you, right? So where is your shield of faith going to be? Right here? No, your shield of faith is going to be up here. It's going to be above all. It's going to be above all. You can't get to my mind because my shield of faith is up. You can't get to my chest because my shield of faith is up. Come on, you can't pierce anything because my shield of faith is up. Now, how do I get my shield up? Go to Romans chapter 10 and verse uh, 8. Let's just skip straight to the NLT for me. It says, in fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. Verse 17 for me. So faith, look at this. So faith comes from what? Hearing. That is hearing what? Faith comes from hearing what? Are you going to build your faith listening to that doctor? Are you going to build your faith listening to that know-it-all? No. no. You're going to build your faith by hearing the good news about whom? Christ. So what else do I need to hear? Well, you know, the, the, I, just, I just need to go see the doctor so he can uh, he could just tell. Now, is anything wrong with doctors? No. There's nothing wrong with them. But if they start to shake your faith, they start to move you off of your position. When they start practicing, listen, more than one pill, you practicing. By the time you've given me 10, you really don't know what you're doing. And by the time I'm taking 25, 30, this foolishness, and we're going to stop. Well, Pastor Kim, how do you know that? Um, my mom's not here. She'll be back Monday. Praise God. But I remember her fight with lupus. It consumed my high school career. I, I remember it. College, the phone calls. Hey, mom's having another surgery. Mom's in the hospital. Mom's got this. Mom's got that. Why? Because lupus was ravaging her body. And it was, it was a very rare form, another autoimmune disease called um, polymyositis. So it was destroying her muscles, 
It was destroying her skin tissue. It was destroying her, I mean, when I say destroying, it was destroying anything that was made of like a skin cell. So her lungs were being destroyed. There was a point where we thought it was attacking her heart. Um, if you've ever noticed a scar on her hands, it's because it began to destroy the ligaments in her hand. One day at work, she just opens a file cabinet and boop, all of her ligaments in her hand pop. Crazy. You, you've not seen, you've not seen, I have not, uh, you've not seen any, this is wild, y'all, this was really wild, because we've never had, a, at that point, a, a major attack like that. Well, I had a kidney removed when I was a kid, but we didn't know anything. Just cut the thing out, document, move on. But I have two now, praise God. Um, but we, we went through that, and one, I think she was up to, at some point, about 25 different pills. It, it got a lot of prednisone, uh, naproxen sodium, then it was prednisolone, and then it was, uh, oh, oh God, some of everything. Y'all, it was some of everything, a lot of stuff. And I remember the day when she'd had enough. She had built her faith. Now, I don't know if you, anybody remember when the Living Bible came out in the 70s, it was a big red Bible. Big, big red. It wasn't these cute little Bibles. It was a big, big old red Bible. You couldn't carry it anywhere. It's for the house. She had that Bible. She had her everyday Bible. She had another Bible. And they were all over the, the room, up the, the den, all over the floor. And I remember going to bed that night, and she was up, but I could hear when, when they got up at night. And all I remember was her crying and her screaming and her, the words that came out of her mouth. I'll never forget them. I still hear them like she said them a moment ago. I shall live and I shall not die. I shall live and I shall not. And I mean, when I say it came from her toes, it woke everybody in the house up. She was screaming, she was crying, but she knew this was it. The next morning, she calls Dr. Jermaine over at USF. I remember these people's names. Dr. Richfield, Dr. Jermaine, that was a whole awesome. Hey! I'm not taking this mess anymore. I'm done. And he said, Sadie, please let me wean you off. She said, you better hurry up because I'm done. I said, she said, I'm done. Because now she had been a Baptist girl. She didn't know. She, there was no Hagen. There was no Kenneth Copeland. There was nobody in our house being played. There's no, you know, Jerry Savelle. There's no Gloria. There's no Philip Derby. There's nobody being played in the house. It's just a beautiful brown Baptist girl on the floor with a whole bunch of Bibles saying, Lord, I'm going to take what your word says. I've been teaching Sunday school. I've been praying. I've been going to church. I've been going to Bible study. And the devil is not going to do this and when I tell you she came out y'all see her y'all see her why because her faith got so built I don't want to hear what I don't want to hear what you have to say don't, don't print me out another handout brochure about what don't print me out don't print me out Jack I don't want your medicine because what's the worst thing that could have happened she done went to heaven But her faith got so built. I mean, y'all, the house shook. So built up. Her faith. And it set her free. Today she's on nothing. I said today she's on nothing. But the word. But the word. 
And I'm telling you, if we would just do the same thing, we'd have the exact same, because God's no respecter of persons. Come on. God will get you out of debt. I said God will get you out of debt. Even if you messed up and went back into debt, God will get you out of debt. He doesn't care about how many times. It's just saying, can you believe me? Can you believe me? So faith is going to come by hearing the good news. I said the good news. There is no bad news in Christ. I said there is no bad news in Christ. Oh, you don't know. There is no bad news in Christ. The good news about Christ. Can I see that? Let's see it in the message. Oh, my goodness. The shield of faith. So what exactly was Moses saying? The word that saves is right here. As near as the tongue in your mouth, as close as the heart in your chest. It is the word of faith that welcomes God. Do you see this? It's the word of faith that welcomes God to go to work and to set things right for us. This is the core of our preaching. Well, what are they? That church, they different over there in that church. They preaching all that crazy. No, no, no. Here's what we're preaching. We're preaching a word that welcomes God to go to work and to set things right. I said we're preaching a word that welcomes God to go to work. God, I'm done. Go to work. God, I can't fix this. Go to work. I mean, we've done it the other way too long, right? God, I'm getting out of the way. Go to work. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to go to sleep. And I'm going to wake up. I'm going to go to sleep, and I'm going to wake up. And I don't know how, but I do know that every promise he's promised unto me, God is going to go to work, and every promise is coming to pass. I said every promise is coming to pass. I said every promise is coming to pass. And I'm telling you something. If we would get our faith up, and get the fear out. My God, God's gonna. Listen to me. Every teenager, y'all hear me, that has walked away from this ministry, I've asked God myself, like they're my children, to go to work. I said, God, go to work. You go to work, right, right? I'm not, I was calling, I was trying to call, I was trying to text, you know. I've been trying to get into Lakewood High School. They, you know, they trying to act like they want to let me in because I just want to babysit all of them. I'm just going to put on some vans and some skinny jeans. And I'm just going to walk through them. I'm, just, I'm going in there. But I asked God, you go to work. Because why? It's the core of what we preach. And then if we let him go to work, he's going to set things right for us. Think about every wrong thing. Think about every wrong thing. Now, I want you to be honest with yourself for a moment. Not with me. Be honest with yourself. Have you welcomed God to go to work on that situation? Have you really welcomed him? Have you ceased from all your labors and allowed him 
Well, I just, I, if I don't, if I, I, I try not to say nothing. See, you're not done. I said, see, you're not done. You don't have to say anything. Not when God has gone to work. Well, I tried to do this, but I, you, you just don't. No, no, no. Let God go to work and let him set things right for you. We're not losing anymore. I said we're not losing anymore. Hey, y'all, there comes an age where it's, it's, it's almost like, like stupid to beat them. Why are we trying to be 17-year-olds? They don't mind me. Okay, okay, I want you to step back. Step up here. Look down from heaven and tell me what that looks like to God. Two grown people squaring up in the living room. You done tore up the chair, you done tore up the lamp. Come on now. What does it look like? Does it look like God's been allowed to go to work? Why are you still arguing about that? You've been arguing about that in your marriage for the last five years. Why are we still discussing that? No, welcome God to go to work. You don't have to say anything else about what time he comes home, what time she walks out, how much money they spend. You ain't got to say nothing else. Why? You've welcomed God. God, go to work. Now, in the midst of God working, God will give you a wisdom. But I'm not... Mine, I have a 16-year-old, we have a 22-year-old, a, a about-to-be 14-year-old, and 11-year-old. I'm not finna, y'all, I'm not going to fist the cuffs with them. I'm not, he gonna, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you, hey, you, you don't like it here anymore? Because if God can heal the centurion soldier's assistant from a distance, and he can heal, come on, Jairus' daughter from a distance. Now, I'm not going to throw you out, but I will allow you to leave. I'll make sure you know I love you. I want there to be peace, and I'm going to pursue it. But if you just can't, then we won't. You can't, we won't. But I'm going to welcome God to go to work. Now, the key is, is to allow all of his commandments, right, to be a lamp and to be a light. We've got to make sure that our marriages, that our family situations, that our finances, by the teaching of this word, never gets to a place where we even have to make those kind of decisions. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's a beautiful liberty to love and to be at peace and to be at, you know, have joy. But in case, just in case, Take the shield of faith. 
From the Names of God Bible, it says this in Romans 10, 16 through 17. I've moved on, front row. <laughs> but not everyone, look at this, has believed, oh, do you see this? But not everyone has believed the good news. Isaiah asked, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing the message, and the message that is heard is what Christ spoke. So if I want to build faith, I've got to hear what Christ spoke and not anybody else. I want to hear what Christ spoke. Amen? All right, so we've got the shield of faith. Next, we're going to put on the helmet of salvation. So as we're standing with this helmet of salvation now on us, now, it's not because, you know, the devil's throwing head blows because he can't get to your head, right? Because you've got that shield of faith up. But that helmet of salvation is there so you can control your thoughts. See, now, outside thoughts can't get in here. I can't entertain any other thoughts but the thoughts of Christ. I can't entertain any other thoughts but the thoughts that are produced by the words. Why? Because I have on my helmet of salvation. I now have my mind so saturated with the word that the word produces my thoughts. Now, go to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. We know this. Very familiar passage of scripture. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of, of life. That word heart is the Hebrew word lev, which is the meaning of inner man, your mind, your heart, another word for your soul. So keep your soul, keep your heart, keep your lev with all diligence. Why? Because the outgoings, the issues, the extremities, the boundaries of your life are set by the status of your soul man. So if I allow my thoughts to go haywire, everything else is going to go haywire. The moment, I'm, just think about the last bad day. I know it's been a long time ago, but the last bad day you had. I guarantee you it began with a thought and not with an action. Because when you're having a good day, somebody can cut you off in traffic and it don't even bother you. When you're having a good day, those kids can be da 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 and you don't pay them any mind. But when you woke up with a bad thought, or you've engaged with somebody and now you're having a bad thought, the least sound will set you off. Right? Because everything starts with a thought. So if I think I'm running out, my soul responds to that. If I think I'm going to die, my soul responds to that. If I think it's going to go south, my soul's going to respond to that. So I have to keep my soul, keep my heart with all diligence because out of it, flows the issues of life. Out of it are the boundaries of my life set. So if I, yeah, when you look at issues, that word in the Hebrew really means the extremities, the boundaries, the outgoings, how your life goes is dependent upon your soul. So uh, people with a life that's kind of, eh, okay, your soul, we got to work on that soul man. And how are we going to work on that soul man? How are we going to work on that heart with this word? Can we see that in the ICB? I love the children's Bible. It says, be careful. As a matter of fact, it says, be very careful about what you think. Your thoughts run your life. And we know Philippians 4, 8, right, talks about whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are of a good report. It says, think on these things. Don't think about anything that's ugly. Don't think about anything that's going to make you sad. Don't think about anything that's going to upset you. Don't think about the last thing somebody said. Stop rehearsing that stuff. Why? Because 
is run your life. I mean, single people, let the ex-boyfriend go. They're not all like, let him go. Because this person comes along and you're gauging this person by that person. That person is not this person, so stop holding this person. That's why you're not dateable. I didn't want to be. No, you're not dateable. You're not dateable. Why am I not dateable? Because you're so bitter. Catch yourself at the stoplight and look in the mirror and say, am I dateable? Because your thoughts. No, really, your thoughts play out on your face. And sometimes you'll pull next to the singer and they be like, there's nobody in the car with them. Why do they look like that? I mean, who's in the car with them? Not dateable. Why? Because your thoughts. Your thoughts. I said your thoughts. I said your thoughts. Your thoughts are running your life. And it's not making you very attractive. So all we have to do is fix those thoughts. We fix those thoughts. Life is beautiful, and we're smiling, and we're radiant, and we are attractive. Right? Your thoughts run your life. Please stop thinking about that stuff. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Okay, so we're going to take home the helmet of salvation. I've got my thoughts under control. Now, how do I get my thoughts under control? We just saw it in Philippians 4 and 8. I'm going to think on this word. I'm going to think on this word. I'm not going to think about what the doctor said. I keep going over this. I'm not going to think about what the lawyer said. I'm not going to think about what they said. I'm not going to think about what cousin so-and-so said. No, I'm going to think about what God said. And if I think about what God says over a certain amount of time, your thoughts will become his thoughts. Right? Remember, we learned in Isaiah that our thoughts are not his thoughts, nor our ways are his ways. That don't mean that you can't have his thoughts. It means you've got to come up to his thoughts. So forsake your ways. Forsake your thoughts. Come on up to his thoughts. How am I going to get his thoughts? Well, he only thought about the word, right? All right, so helmet of salvation. That's a good one. Number six, the sword of the spirit. We know it says that, uh, can we go back to Ephesians chapter six for me, please? It says, take the helmet of salvation in verse 17, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, that sword of the spirit is obviously an offensive weapon. I'm going to do some damage with this one. See, everything else is defensive. A helmet, a shield, a breastplate, a belt on. Those are all defensive things. But now I'm going on the offensive. I'm going to let my enemy, the devil, know I am not backing down. I'm not stepping down. I'm not turning around. I'm not giving up. I'm not letting go. And I'm definitely not going to be quiet. So if you want me to shut up, you better move along. Right? Because I'm not shutting up. Well, I wish you would. No, I can't. Because if I do, then I become vulnerable to his attacks. I become vulnerable. So I'm always having this dialogue. I'm sure most of you are too. You, man, you feel a pain. You don't talk to that pain one time. Every time you feel it, you say something to it. You better remind the devil, oh, no, oh, no, I am the healed 
of God. I do not take that. I resist you. Get off my body. I'm not having this today. A bad thought comes. Oh, no, that's not my thought. I'm not going there today. I'm not thinking about that. That's not lovely. That's not just. That is not a good report. I don't want it. Come on. Oh, you're broke. Oh, no, I'm not broke. I am abundantly supplied because you know I get just like that. My family hears me. You know the grace of my God. Come on. That though he were rich, yet for my sake he became poor, that I, through his poverty, might be made rich. Come on. And my God. I said, and my God. You got to get an attitude with it. And my God shall supply all. Now, when you were in middle school, you'd be all in people's face like this. Well, why is it with the devil? You, and Jesus, and I just, and I just, and the devil get off my track. No, and my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches. And get ghetto with it now, come on. And my God. I need to make sure he knows I'm not talking about my mama's God, my grandmama's God, my auntie God, nor pastor's God. I'm talking to my God. You know him, the same one that spoiled you. You were trying to tempt him with all of this stuff. No, he spoiled you. All right? So we're going to talk. The sword of the spirit is, what am I saying? Not what am I moaning. Stop moaning. Stop moaning. Stop moaning. What's wrong? It hurt. Shoo. Yeah. Oh, I'm healed in Jesus' name. You got oh, thank you, Jesus. You got to. I said you've got to. You've got to, because that whining, that moaning, that groaning, it ain't going to get the job done. But man, if we use the sword of the Spirit. Now, let's look at this real quick. Go to Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 2 in the CEV. We've got to speak right, y'all. We've got to speak right. He made my words pierce like a sharp sword or a pointed arrow. He kept me safely hidden in the palm of his hand. See, I'm in the armor right there. You see, I'm in the part. You can't get to me. But look at this. He made my words pierce like a sharp sword. So when I take on the sword of the spirit, my tongue becomes like a sharp, not to do damage, not to hurt, but to serve notice on the devil or a pointed arrow. All right. Now we're going to speak what the spirit speaks. What do you think the spirit speaks? The spirit speaks the word, right? Go to John 6.63 in the CEV. It says the spirit is the one who gives life. Human strength can do nothing. Say it. Say human strength, human strength. can do nothing. The words that I speak or the words I have spoken to you. Y'all read the words. <laughs> the words that I have spoken to you are from that life-giving Spirit. Christ himself said, the words that I've spoken to you, I'm not speaking my own words, but I'm speaking words that are from the what? Life-giving spirit. Man, God, what do I say to this? Don't say nothing until he tells you what to say. Yeah, speak right. When you speak right, you're going to speak life. The last one, 
we're going to pray in the spirit. I said we're going to pray in the spirit. You're armored up, right? You've got your shield of faith. You're talking right. Now just pray through. I'm saying just pray through. And I'm not talking about praying through in your own language. I'm talking about praying in the spirit. I'm saying getting over to your outside of every human thing there is. Do you know your human words, your words, your natural words, they're human efforts and they're not going to do a whole lot. Now, it'll buy you some time. You know, it's like a filibuster. And some of us pray like filibusters. You know what a filibuster is? There are people who get on the legislative floor and if they want to stall a bill, they just start talking. Watch C-SPAN sometime. They'll start talking about the most random things for hours and days on end. And they'll just keep talking and talking and talking and talking. Why? They're stalling so that their party can get more time to rally up more votes to get their bill passed. So all I'm going to do is I'm just going to keep talking. Well, many of our prayers are nothing more than a filibuster. Man, we're just taking a shot at something. I'm going to say something, Jesus. I'm going to say it softly. I'm going to say it loudly. I'm going to cry when I say it. I'm going to roll when I say it. I'm going to beat my head on the wall when I say it. I might try to cut myself if I think that would help. God, I'm just going to throw every scripture I know at. Did Jesus do any of that? Jesus would go. I mean, he was in a real fight. He knew he was coming off the cross but he knew it was going to be a hard way. It's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Father, oh, if there is any way. Now, he's sweating. He's sweating blood. You're talking about sweating bullets. No, he's sweating blood. This is serious. He says, Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. And I think he heard the spirit on the inside of him. He said, no, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He's on the cross, right? Oh, man, agonizing death. They're messing with him bad. There's piercing, thorn, vinegar, gall, horrible. Then he goes into Eloi, Eloi, Labatha Sabathana, Lama Sabathana. What do you think he's doing? Praying in tongues. You know how I know that? Because they didn't translate it. They didn't translate it. They didn't say, and he said, Father, Father, I love you. They did write what they did understand, but they didn't know. He was praying in the spirit at his darkest hour. So you know what we need to do? Pray in the spirit. Why? Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. Look at this. Likewise, the spirit also helps us in our infirmities. For we know not... Look at that. We know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself, I like it to say himself, King, New King James probably says that, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Verse 27, and he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You don't know what to pray. I mean, you don't know what to pray as you ought. But if you get over in the spirit, ladies and gentlemen, this is how we fight. Do you know all of it comes back to the word? I said all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it. I didn't say some of it. I say all of it. So if we're not spending a quality amount of time in the word, are we really standing? 
we're not standing. I said, we're not standing. We're just going with the motions. Sometimes we're up, sometimes we're down. Sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. Sometimes we in it, sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're hot, sometimes we're cold. Sometimes we're sad, sometimes we're bold. You know a Dr. Seuss moment was coming. <laughs> However, if we fight God's way, out, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. But if we fight God's way, you'll win. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. If you don't have that picture I sent, you can put it up. Um, in October of 2016, you know, I, I hid, oh, I didn't hide, well, you can't see it anyways, but I hid where I was because I didn't want people to know where I was. But the reason this message came about, because what Pastor said last week about people in the fight for their lives, fight for their marriages, fight for their families, fight for their health, their sanity, their well-being, just in a fight. And I was away at a, a, a women's conference, and I was with my mom, and uh, at that time, that was October, my mom had gotten kind of sick. She had uh, some kind of cold thing going on, and it really developed in a little more than we wanted it, wanted it to develop into. You know, it, it was, but I could hear a cough. We were sharing a nice room, and, and I could hear her at night. It was rough. And so we prayed and everything, but then I go into this women's conference, right? And it's supposed to be this place where I'm being built up and, and, and you know, encouraged, and, Man, let me tell you what happened. We're in this room and all of a sudden, one woman after the next woman after the next woman, God did this, God took my husband, God made me sick. Oh, praise God, I have stage, uh, you know, stage whatever cancer and, you know, I'm gonna, you know, I don't know what God gonna do. And then the woman who got beat up and drugged and half shot and it, it was just a lot. It was, when I say, it was a lot. I mean, and my soul, because I am a woman. You know, you hear people going through all of this, and I felt my soul wanting to go with them. You know, these are real, these are real issues. They, they were really hurting. They were really, and I wanted to, I wanted to be, I wanted to say, okay, it's, oh my God, come here, you know, come here, bring it in. But I was feeling that thing. And so I had to fight. I said I had to fight. Because I only know, you know, I know what would have happened had I gone there. You know, at night I couldn't have interceded for mom. You know, I couldn't have kept that storm away. We were down in the Caribbean, guys. There was a hurricane. Came, well, I mean, it came the day after we got out of there. I, I'm like, okay, y'all, y'all around here with these martinis. I'm. I got to get us out this, this water pretty, but I got to get us up out of here because y'all can't do it. And so I had to fight. So in those sessions, these are just, I, I still have those notes. I'm, I'm a paper person. And front and back, I had to get the word. And man, I was, I mean, I was writing feverishly. Just out of my spirit, what I knew. I, I mean, out of my spirit, I mean, verse after verse after verse after verse after verse after verse after verse. I mean, after verse. To the point that the people were like, are you writing a book? What are you doing? You know, baby, I'm fighting. Y'all keep going. <laughs> Can I tell you something? 
That's what your life has to look like all the time. You've got to fight with this word like your life depends on it. Can I tell you why? Because your life does depend on it. The devil is going about to destroy you. He said in John 10, 10, he, he's here to steal, kill, and destroy. So when he shoots a fiery dart, he's not just trying to heat you up a little bit. He's trying to set your tail on fire. Burn, baby, burn. Listen, don't worry about him. Because what? You have this word that will help you in every area of my marriage is bad. There's a word. My children are cutting up. There's a word. Oh, man, my job. There's a word. Oh, my body. There's a word. My mind. There's a word. You've got to get in this word. Your weapons are not carnal. I wish you could throw a seed and fix it. Can I tell you something? A seed, don't do that. That's not what a seed is for. But this word, which is sharper than a two-edged sword, it can cut, I mean, it's so sharp, it can cut a line between your soul and spirit. And do you know they're practically seamless? But the word can get in there and do certain. I said it can get in there and do surgery. That's somebody's word right there. It can get in there and cut out stuff in a place where a doctor said that's inoperable. You can stand to your feet. The word can do it. But we've got to get into this word not into more tv not into your favorite feel-good preacher that you don't even know what they said when they're done my kids pick on me my baby said where is she she's back there i'll call her name olivia she said mama i'm gonna work this screen for you today but i'm gonna just tell you, you use a lot <laughs> you use a lot of scripture i don't know what else to do because my words amount to nothing but this word but this word, man, it'll change the course of your life. Fight the good fight of faith with this word. Amen. Lord God, we thank you so much for your word, the precious gift of your word, the seed of your word that you've sown in our hearts. And we thank you, Father God, that your word works. Your word works. We thank you for the word of faith that's being preached here through countless people, God. You have so many that you're raising up in this ministry, Lord, who have this same word of faith, God. But all we're wanting to do is to welcome you into our lives to work and to make things right for us, God. Father God, you know those ones who are struggling. You know those ones who need a word today. You know those ones who needed an answer and who need a strategy, God. All of us are really under attack. But we thank you, Father God, that for those who came into the house needing this word, they received it with meekness, God. And it's able to save their souls. It's able to put them back in a position of victory and triumph, God. We thank you, Father God, for this house where the word of faith can be preached. We thank you for these people, oh God, who don't choke on the word. And we thank you, Lord, that everything this word promises us, we can have. We believe your word when it says that all of your promises, they are yes. And in Christ, we say amen. They're all yes, God. So there's no good thing that you are withholding from us, God. So we receive it all now. God, we stand our ground. We draw a line in the sand. We won't re retreat, oh God. Rather, God, we submit ourselves unto you, according to James chapter 4. We submit ourselves unto you. We resist the devil, and God, we're watching him run. Thank you, God. Thank you for putting the devil to flight. Thank you for that word. 
that does that. We love you in this house. We honor you. We bless your name. It's in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Bless God.